You're listening to The Bunker New York, live on Red Bull Radio. Hello, you're listening to The Bunker New York on Red Bull Radio. I'm your host, Brian Kasnick. We're here in Berlin, and today my special guest is Shifted, who's going to be playing music for us for the next two hours, and we're going to take a break in the middle to have an interview with him. And right now we're going to get straight into the mix with Shifted. You're listening to The Bunker New York on Red Bull Radio.
You're listening to Red Bull Radio.
So 
Listening to Red Bull Radio. Hello, you're listening to The Bunker on Red Bull Radio. I'm your host, Brian Kasanick, and we're here today with very special guest, Shifted, who's been in the mix. Uh, thank you so much for coming in. Oh, thanks for having me. Yeah, that was a, a really, really great set. Um, I was asking you while you were playing it, so none of that was your own music. No, no. But I decided you, to spare you that torture. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, I just, I actually just sat around last night and um, looked at what I've been listening to the most over like the last few weeks, which is I kind of think what you asked. You were like, you, you mentioned that you wanted people to come in and play what they were kind of listening to at home. And so this is kind of what I'd been kind of playing a lot over the last month or so. so. Yeah. I mean, I think it's more interesting in a way because we always get to hear in podcasts and in the club and everything like that side of the artist. Yes. But I think yeah. most of the artists, especially the ones who I'm interested in or interested in the bunker, have this they're they're obviously not sitting at home listening to banging techno all the time. Yeah, well, or at you, least I, I can't, hope can't not. really live on uh, on techno alone, at least yeah. not at this stage anyway. So yeah. uh yeah, yeah, for sure. Um well speaking of other kinds of music, if we could talk a little bit about your your original I think it was your first project was comics, the drum and bass thing. Um, how, how young were you when that started and is it, was it drum and bass that really pulled you into electronic music in the first place? Um, yeah, I mean, 100% drum and bass was the first electronic music that I really fell in love with. I think I was about 15 or 16 when, when Timeless came out and actually I remember being in like a, uh, HMV or something in uh, in the UK and seeing this record with this kind of weird skull logo on the front right. and like my friend just kind of like that's cool I had no idea what it was picked it up and I just completely fell head over heels um, that was yeah like 96 97 so I was 16 17 years old 
And then it took a few years before I actually started putting records out. I think I was 22 when the first comics record came out. So yeah, about 2002. So did you get straight into collecting records and making the music? Like, did that happen very quickly or were you just kind of... Um, well, buying records, yes. Um, production came a little bit later. Actually, because I had no idea anything about how this stuff was made. I had no idea what a sampler was. I'd never even seen a fucking recording studio. Like, I had no clue whatsoever. So I think... For a few years, I was just kind of your typical bedroom DJ, hanging yeah. around, smoking weed with my friends and like mixing in their bedrooms. And then a friend showed me his Akai sampler for the first time. And I sold one of my Technics a couple of months later and bought a secondhand Akai. And that's kind of what I learned to kind of put beats together on, basically. Right. But comics was a project with other people right yes yeah it started off as three then went down to two and then i left christ eight years ago nine years ago now and now there's just one actually so why uh why the shift from this drum and bass world into like you it seems like you took a bit of a hard turn when you started avian and started the shifted project what was it just a change in the music you were interested in or yes, just said yeah, yes yeah like more, more than anything <laughs> i would say that um i got into drum bass at a really good time there was amazing things happening like yeah, every that... month it seemed to be another batch of like killer releases and people seemed to be breaking ground with things the whole time and then as is common with any genre really um it started to slide into things that i didn't feel comfortable playing and I think there were moments towards the end of my career in drum and bass when I was literally standing there. I shouldn't say this, but just looking out, being like, <laughs> "I fucking hate all of you. I don't, I don't, I don't want to be in the same room as you, let alone playing this fucking music." It it just got very bad. And I think my interest in techno had been building and building for the few years before that. When I started out in drum bass, my my older brother, he had a bunch of friends that were massive techno heads, so I was hearing that as well. But it wasn't something that I kind of really delved into until I kind of started to lose interest in what my kind of passion was at that point. Um, and I guess around the same time, this was kind of around when the first Soundworld District records were coming out. Right. Um, some of the more, some of the early Oscar Ton releases that I found incredibly exciting. The first time I heard like a Marcel Detman record, for instance, I was like, whoa, like really blown away by it because I'd, I'd had some, I had some experience with techno. I'd heard like chain reaction stuff and downward stuff and whatever, but like I hadn't ever really kind of jumped in. Yeah. And then at that point I kind of definitely did and discovered that there was all this music that I suddenly felt very passionate about. And I think from that point onwards, I found it quite difficult to kind of try anything else. I was just always in the studio trying to make techno tracks and like right. buying techno records and kind of really getting myself immersed in this world, which at that point was still quite a kind of small thing. It wasn't what it is now, definitely. Yeah. So um, yeah, a gradual transition until the point where I'd put a few records out as shifted and I was like, I can't do this anymore. So. I left my studio partner, George, to the comics project. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I remember drum and bass was really, that was what I was, I kind of had a similar 
shift. That's what I was really interested in. And I don't know what it was like. What, what, uh, what kind of happened at the parties in the UK? Because I know I can tell you in New York, when I got, I got there in 96, 97, and the parties still seemed very vital. And drum and bass was a big part of like the larger raves and things happening in New York. And then I don't know exactly when the shift happened, but it became kind of really insular where the party, like the sound and the parties, it just seemed like the only people who were left who were interested were like the DJs and promoters. Um, I think when, when the dubstep thing happened in the UK, that took a huge bite out of the scene. Right. And I think a lot of people that were kind of growing tired of what they saw as um, a genre that was becoming stale jumped over to that. And I think a lot of the more interesting producers, actually, and I'm not saying all of them because there were some, there's definitely still is some really interesting stuff going on within Absolutely. drum and bass. And like one, of, one of the last things that I felt any real affinity with was this whole kind of autonomic thing, like yep. instrumental and debridged, and they were some of our yeah. kind of closest peers within within drum and bass. Yeah, that stuff is great. Um, yeah, amazing music. Uh, but what was happening at the parties was not really reflecting that. And you get the occasional thing where there'd be an incredible vibe, amazing sound systems in London. But the kind of bread and butter of what I was doing week in, week out was not that. It was turning up to these like big raves with like 20 MCs on the lineup. And oh, yeah. I, yeah, I was just fucking soul destroying, to be honest. Yeah. It really was. And if you found um, being, I guess, if we're just going to say like generally you're kind of part of the techno scene now, does it feel more open to you? Like there's more possibilities with what you can do? It did. Or is it, is <laughs> it, it, yeah, I was, or um, is, is it becoming, is it becoming stifling out as well, I guess? Um, I think that there is a lot of sonic territory that techno has yet to explore. And I think there's a lot of directions that it could move in that would open up like uh, a lot of creativity and exciting music. Do I think it's moving in that direction is another question, really, because I really don't. I think uh, the sound that's becoming more prominent now is something that I'm uh, finding myself more and more kind of uh, removed from. Yeah, I think it, it can be kind of a similar thing to drum and bass where there's, like you were saying, there's there was autonomic there's all this really to me there's a lot of really cool interesting kind of pushing forward music happening but i think it's extraordinarily rare that you actually hear that music at the events yeah. right i mean for me and i've been trying to put my finger on what it is over the last few years and i don't want to be that old man complaining about everything but i'm gonna be <laughs> feel free i feel think free. it's i think it's the <laughs> lack of space in the music in people's dj sets and in the productions that's it's really started to compound and it's kind of left no room to kind of if you get booked to kind of big floors and i would say even places like burkine it becomes very difficult to play tracks with much space in them at all because people want this kind of level of energy that you can't really dip yeah. from. And now, I mean, it's pretty standard. You walk into a DJ booth now, the first thing you see is four CDJs. And actually that's, it's really fun as a DJ. It's something that you can really take advantage of and it's like quite yeah, exciting to do. But I think that kind of filters back to the producers 
and people end up making tools rather than tracks. They're just something to someone to play for like a month or so and then they'll replace it with something else that sounds pretty much identical. And actually when you do take risks in places, um, you don't really get a positive response from it. I, the kind of dance floor suddenly seems flat. Right. And I'm thinking about, I mean, you think about like maybe 2010, you had all this stuff coming out of Modern Love, for instance, like Pendle Cove and whatever, just as an example, like yeah, you listen those... to those tracks now, they're so spacious. There's so much detail in them and there's so much kind of depth. And if you made that now, then no one would fucking care. I mean, like they were big records for me. They were really important records for me, the records that really inspired me. And I think for someone now, they're coming along and all they're getting is every 16th note filled. The hi-hats all in the right place, the cymbals, and it all works sonically really well. Yeah. It's really well produced, but it's got a shelf life, for sure. Yeah. And I think at the moment we're kind of in danger of letting it slide too far into a direction where no one actually give a shit anymore. I'm yeah. really complaining now, I should, yeah, <laughs> I should, no. I should hold back. I think, I think about the shelf life thing a lot with my own record label, and it can be, I find it's often kind of depressing, even when we put a release out that everybody's talking about and they're very excited about. I mean, I guess electronic music has always been this way, but I find that because of the way that people consume music through social media and things now, and because of the sheer volume of music coming out, like nothing seems to feel really special or have have much of a moment beyond literally like a quarter of a day in the news cycle. Everybody's like, oh, I heard the new record. I heard the clips. It's great. And then they're on to the next thing. I've I've put out an album every couple of years since I started doing this. And when I put out my first album, you had this kind of kind of hype surrounding it and people seem very excited and it's all very nice and then the second one came out I noticed that the hype was shorter and then the third one came out it just it literally it's a day now because people are just bombarded with content um the whole industry really is to a certain extent run off content yeah and then this is people with their social media platforms this is the larger platforms resident advisor whatever i mean it's a business and it's driven off them having something for people to click on yeah and the more the better because the more clicks the better obviously because the more clicks the more revenue and it kind of feeds into this vicious circle and i think it what i was talking about earlier on about having four cdjs instead of two cdjs and then you've got like 10 albums coming out on a day instead of like Two, basically right and it, it becomes to the point where there is incredible music out there but no one's really hearing it right and like, I even find it myself like I'll be like oh that's amazing and I'll flick through it and I'll, I'll buy an album if it's digital I'll download it onto my computer and then a week later I'll be like oh shit I haven't even listened to that again yeah and like, no, a few years I've... ago I, I would have been like listening to the same album like four times a day yeah I'm guilty as well and I wonder if and not to get into the whole vinyl versus digital debate, but that's, I think that's a, has become part of it is how easily we can get the music now, whether you're paying for your music or downloading it for free. You're just, yeah. there's always, even for people, the people who actually still take the time to download music and have it live on their computer, we just, God, every time I go, 
you know, shopping for music online, there's just so much yeah, new yeah. stuff Too to much. listen to. Yeah. And actually like people like yourself or myself that are downloading music, that's actually becoming rarer and rarer as well. It's becoming more and more disposable to the point where you won't even allow it the hard drive space. You just want to stream it and that's it. People, I find people want to hear something like even the super nerds, they want to hear it once and then they kind of have it in their memory bank and they have an opinion about it and they can talk about it and then that's And it. then they move on five minutes. Later. Yeah, people yeah, yeah. aren't, people, and I, I'm guilty as well. People just aren't sitting around like you, like when I first started listening to this music and was buying the Chain Reaction records and CDs and I would just get super immersed in those, yeah, yeah. in every album for months. I just, well, I mean, do you see any way forward from this or are we just fucked? Um, well, I don't know. <laughs> Difficult one. Um, yeah. I, I think that there is still more than enough to keep people inspired and for the genre to move forward. Um, I mean, this is a conversation that I have with, with my friends a lot, with everyone actually. Whenever I go away, this is always what I hear, basically. I'm hearing it more and more. But um, I do really think that there's going to be a split at some point. And I think that the techno that has become massive and is filling out stadiums, it's becoming further and further removed from, from what I do or what a lot of my peers are doing. And it almost becomes like we're some sort of little sub-genre within this big like behemoth that's yeah. kind of filling out like 10,000 capacity festivals. And I mean, that's going to mean that a lot of people are going to disappear but maybe that's a good thing. Maybe that maybe it's time for these <laughs> things to kind of like open up a little bit more. And I think that maybe some of the people that have got into it because it's a fad will move on to something else. Um, Techno got too cool or something. Yeah, or I don't know, uncool, very uncool at this point. <laughs> but I, I, don't, I don't want to whinge too much because there is incredible records coming out all the time. And I'm still hearing things that made me just go, right, I've got to get in the studio. Yeah. Because I kind of feel that hunger in this kind of competition, which was it's kind of one of the main driving things between me and a lot of my producer friends is you'll hear something and you kind of want to outdo someone in a way, or you want to push it to that level. Right. And I'm still hearing things where I'm, I'm excited to go in the studio the next day. Yeah. Well, speaking of content, I mean, you do have a very high output of like your own music and also you have your late well your avian's the label you're most well known for but you have several sub labels as well um do you find it difficult at times to keep this because i know you're also a very quite busy touring artist do you find it difficult to keep up with all this um yes i mean like the beginning of this year i just didn't have any time or i don't know i didn't have the inspiration to kind of be searching out so much stuff for the label that's changed the second half of the year and we're kind of plowing through now. The other sub-labels are kind of defunct bar one now. I had one that was kind of focused on experimental music, for want of a better word, um, which has kind of just kind of moved into Avian. So I'm just doing that on Avian as well now. And yeah. I think that makes more sense, makes the platform more interesting for me, certainly. Um, and I have another sub-label which is just for my own productions, which is basically, I kind of miss that feeling of 
being able to finish a 12 inch one week having a bunch of tracks that I think sit together nicely as a record and getting it mastered and pushing it out straight away. Yeah. Which was actually what I started Avian for. Um, so so now I have like a little separate platform for doing that. So on, you, don't, which, you don't have to put it in line with exactly, all the promises exactly. you've made. You yeah, just, exactly. This is another label and we're just going to I don't have to it feel as... guilty about like juggling it around so that I go first or whatever. Basically. Yeah. yeah. And do you have... Uh, a team or people who work with you at Avian or is it all is it all you? It's me and my girlfriend actually. My girlfriend helps me with a lot of the online stuff and things that I'm not very good at, which is organizing anything at all. So <laughs> um, I deal with the artwork in terms of finding people to work with, finding designers and photographers and whatever to, to work with for it. And of course, A&Ring the music as well. Yeah. Um, so since we're in Berlin, we should talk about some basic Berlin stuff, I guess. How, how long have you been here? Uh, it's going to be eight years, beginning of next year. So around the time you started the Shifted project? Yeah, it was like a period of big change for me. Lots of things happened back in the UK, which kind of changed my life. And I kind of needed a fresh start. So. Uh, I came over with a, a record bag and a suitcase and I'm still here eight years later. Um, what are, I guess we're probably going to get a somewhat obvious answer here, maybe not, but what are your favorite places to play? Oh, you are going to get an obvious answer for sure. <laughs> um, well, yeah, I mean, it's, it's still Burkheim. The place still has an energy unlike anything that I've seen before, for sure. Yeah. And I don't think that's going to be replicated anytime soon it would be really hard to it would be yeah it would be almost impossible maybe Impi i was gonna say yeah maybe impossible what do you have maybe a more interesting question is do you have a favorite time like general time slot to play in at Bergheim? um i think early sunday evening is kind of the best time i think yeah. if you start at around 5 p.m it's kind of it hits its second peak shortly after that so i think it's it's kind of the most satisfying from a kind of a, for your ego at least. Um, opening is really nice because generally you get at least 45 minutes or an hour of just playing to the bar staff, which I always really enjoy because I get to play stuff that I never hear on a sound system. Yeah, and set it up exactly how you want to yeah. set it up. Um, what, what are your favorite places to buy records in Berlin? Um, I live right around the corner from Space Hall, which is an amazing store. Yeah. Um, obviously, Hard Wax is incredible as well. But um, I think it was actually like over a year before I went to Space Hall after moving here, and I walked in, and it, it's kind of like, kind of like having all your Discogs want lists presented to you with a slightly higher price tag. Yeah. yeah. Um, and you just got a new dog. I did, yes, yeah. yes. Six months now, yeah. What is the breed of the dog? She's a Jack Russell. Nice. And um, how, well, you mentioned you have your girlfriend here. I was kind of wondering how the responsibility of having a dog is working out with your touring, um, touring schedule. It's difficult. And well, I've got another dog as well. And when it was just me and her, it was, it was very difficult. I had a lot of understanding friends that kind of loved my dog as much as I do. And so uh, I'd be palming her off on them every weekend, which is not so nice for her, but uh, things are a little bit more stable now, certainly. I don't party as much. I don't go out as much. So when I am here, I'm, uh, I'm, usually, uh, I'm usually just looking after the dogs, yeah. Yeah. 
And I guess to talk about uh, New York City for a minute, I saw you have an upcoming gig at the hospital festival. There. Yes. Yeah. Um, what is your how did what is your relationship with hospital and how has that developed over the years? Um, I met Dominic. It must be over five years ago now. Uh, shortly before I did the first record for him, uh, which is called Under a Single Banner. Um, he was in town for, I think, a tonal festival and he'd done a remix for me and we met up for beers and kind of clicked basically. And he's become a good friend of mine and someone that I really respect as an artist. It's a very smart person to have around when you're doing a project has a very clear vision of how things should be and just makes things happen. Like quite yeah. often when you're dealing with people in the industry, like there's a lot of hot air. And actually when Dom says something, he means it and he makes it happen. Yeah. Which is something that I've always really respected about him. And this has kind of moved on to me doing several records for him now. Another one next year, actually. Um, this time, I think, uh, an ambient record, actually. Oh, very cool. Um, and yeah, I've done some engineering work for him and mixed an album, his last album, actually. So yeah, it's a kind well, of fruitful relationship for sure. Yeah, I think you've kind of nailed it with his, just the, the clarity of his vision has always deeply impressed me from when I started. I met him through his shop in New York, the hospital shop. It's just always really impressed by how clear his vision yeah, was so, i mean there's very much, few people like that i think yeah um, and you would you, you would walk into the shop one week and there would be a few new things and then you walk in the next week and he would have like he had these tape tape racks and when you put out new like a new batch of tapes they would just fill this rack just like you put out nine albums this week yeah. i mean i mean he was able to maintain a shop in manhattan selling noise cassettes for quite some time i think and i think that is quite a testament to his uh, his drive in itself, actually. But. Cool. Well, that's that's on December eighth, and the whole fest the festival lineup is really amazing. So everybody should check that out. Everybody in New York should check you out there. Um, I guess with that, we should maybe get back into the mix here. You're going to do something a little different in the second half. I think we're going to go techno for the second we're half. Go techno. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cool. So we're going to get back into the mix with Shifted here. You're listening to The Bunker New York on Red Bull Radio.
you're listening to The Bunker New York on Red Bull Radio. We've been in the mix with Shifted here in Berlin. Really cool set. Uh, thanks for tuning in. We're just here for a few more minutes. Again, you've been listening to The Bunker New York on Red Bull Radio.